Hey everyone, welcome to the A to Z of sex, or the A to Z of sex if you're in North America. I'm Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a psychologist, sex and intimacy coach, and a gender, sex, and relationship diversity therapist. And I am working my way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. I created this podcast to help you learn to express your desires, learn more about desires, spice up your relationships, and create those sizzling relationships that you have always wanted. I do this through solid science, real-life stories, and conversations with an exciting array of experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies that will help you choose the relationship style that works best for you and create exactly what you want and need. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and you can take advantage of the subscriber bonuses. And if you want to know more, head over to drlauribethbisbee.com and sign up for my email list so that you can find out exactly what is going on in my world from week to week. But for now, come join me and enter my world of sex and relationships. See you inside. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a sex and intimacy coach and a psychologist, and I've spent the last 30 plus years helping people create hot and healthy sexual and intimate relationships. On this show, we're working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. So today, the letter is L, and L is for LGBTQIA+. <laughs> Joining me today is Ray Spannon. He's been an organizer, writer, educator, speaker, and activist in the LGBT, all the letters alphabet plus community, leather, kink, polyamory, HIV, and STI prevention realm since 1973. He's authored two books been published extensively, and has spoken to hundreds of audiences. He created the world's largest kink-friendly psychotherapist and medical referral service and led the DSM project that yielded beneficial changes in the way psychotherapy views BDSM. Race also founded a groundbreaking alternative sexuality publishing company, was an internet radio sex talk show host, received national and local awards, appeared in numerous documentaries, and currently writes for the Bay Area Reporter. His blog is www.bannon.com. Welcome to the show, Race. Hey there. How are you? I'm good. I wanted to start with a bit of history because someone on Facebook, when we announced we were doing this, has already requested that we talk about why keeping the orders of the letter, letters is important. So adding letters to the end but not changing the order is important. So, yeah, the... I'm old enough to go back to when our communities, and I always use the plural because we're a blend of communities, but I'll say community, um, was really identified by the Gay Liberation Front, the Gay Liberation Movement. Yep. And we didn't have the letters. And over time, the letters emerged. And in the original iterations of the acronym, um, G. L, B, G, B, L, whatever people were using at the time, because it kind of got mixed up, um, was seen as a tip to gay men taking priority in many instances. And there was a time, uh, especially around the 80s and at the height of the AIDS crisis, this is my take on it, 
that there was awareness that that lesbians were at the forefront of caring for gay men um, during that crisis. And as I remember, that was the tipping point of the discussion about maybe we should um, honor that in some way by putting the L, lesbians, in front of the G. And to the best of my recollection, that was how it came about. There was some consternation and some churn, as you can imagine, because ordering matters to many people. Uh, Ultimately, uh, we are a one big community, (laughs) and the order doesn't really matter too much to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I always find it interesting that the, the discussions that go on around whether we add letters or we don't add letters um, and how unwieldy the letters have gotten and understanding as somebody who um, these days identify, uh, identifies as queer, um, but in the, politically will identify as bisexual because of bi erasure. Um, yeah. You know, that, that's a thing and it's important and the same thing for trans. But there does come a point where I think that it becomes so unwieldy that we actually alienate people that are not part of the communities. And that's not what we want to do. We want to be communicating outwards um, and dialoguing. And I think, and I'm not sure what the answer to that is. I'm not sure what it, it is either. And, and you talk about bi erasure, which is absolutely a thing. I've even contended that if we wanted to honor a group that is uh, underrepresented in the discourse that we should put the B first. <laughs> because if you think about how many people are in those communities, um, there are, I would contend, there are a lot more bisexuals than they are people who err strongly on the side of lesbian or gay on that spectrum. So that's just my two cents. I'm not, I am not advocating for changing it. No, I, but- let's just keep it where it is. And I also think that it's not, uh, unusual that the LGBTQ acronym has really stuck because people look at the Q as kind of uh, an umbrella acronym around which many um, subsets fall rather than having all the letters after the LGBT. Um, it does seem, and even if you go to Twitter now, LGBT was the hashtag for a long time. Now the predominant hashtag is LGBTQ. Yeah. That seems to have, have stuck with us. And I, you know, it's interesting. I'm at, I'm at TED this week in Vancouver, and um, and um, on my badge it says "Ask me about sex," um, and so people are asking. So I've ended up in lots of discussions. And last night, myself and a sex therapist hosted a dinner called "Ask a Sex Therapist," and uh, one of the things that came up was the was the concept of bi erasure um, and the difficulty that. Um, bisexual folks find in both heterosexual and gay spaces. And this other person uses queer as well. And it was put to me that actually using queer kind of plays into the erasure somewhat. Oh, that's an interesting um, perspective. And I can understand that perspective because bisexuality is um, definitively clear whereas queer is a little mushy. So I get that. Um, I mean, it's, I think it's a little mushy intentionally and, and, and maybe it needs Absolutely. to be because the idea of queer in, in my understanding, everyone's going to define it differently, is that it allows self-identification and self-expression um, outside of any boundaries. Yes. And therefore, it, it needs to necessarily be a little amorphous a term 
um, other than bisexual, actually says specifically what you mean. So I can right. understand that. And and I guess when I started out, I would have I identified as bisexual because that's what that's where I thought I was. But um, truly, for me, attraction isn't about gender. So queer actually fits more. For me, attraction's about power. So that that's where my attractions lie, and gender really doesn't matter. But and and. It, but then it becomes difficult because people don't recognize that easily. Um, I know there's research and I know that in, in some communities we talk about the dominant submissive spectrum as a sexuality, but it's not generally understood that way. So it's just much easier to say queer and then explain where you are. Yeah, you'll find it funny. Uh, my, my ex, who's still one of my, my closest friends, who is um, a psychotherapist, uh, said to me once, oh, well, you're a functional bisexual because I can perform with women and have um, on rare occasion. I've played with women in the past and even though I identify primarily as gay and, so, but I remember this is many years ago, mind you, I was aghast. No, I'm gay. I'm not bisexual. I'm gay. <laughs> but he said, but you're a functional bisexual. It was, he was being very clinical about it, <laughs> but, but it, it, you will find that a little bit amusing that um, I, was, I, was, I was labeled with the bisexual moniker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, but it's interesting because nowadays, I, I think people who, do not, who are not part of a gender and sexually diverse community, I really love that term. Um, and that's used a lot in, in the UK. So um, I am amongst therapists, particularly, who work with would say, people. Would you say that again so that I can... Gender and sexually diverse. I, I, I hear that. And you're right. It's not proliferated in the States nearly enough. No. And it's, and it's one... Um, Dominic Davis, Pink Therapy uses it. And in their training, they use it. So you're working, you're being trained to work with gender and sexual diversity. And I love that because it says what it is and it includes a lot of things. Sure does. And, and so it makes it easier to say, when I say I'm a therapist and this is one of my specialties, you can find yourself in that more easily than I have to sit and list. I mean, I, you still do end up needing to say kink, um, kink knowledgeable and, um, and, not, and work with non-monogamy, but there, people can find themselves more easily in that than in the collection of letters. Um, but that's something that, that it, the, the idea of where you fall is fascinating to me. And so a, a lot of people feel that they need to nail it down. So if your identity is gay, that doesn't mean that you, don't, you will never sleep with someone of the opposite sex. And people don't get that. No, they don't. They don't have that as a concept. I know a really incredible, incredibly hot gay man. Um, I did a really good photo shoot. He was looking at my pictures, and my husband's in the pictures too. My husband's also bisexual, and he was like, I want those pictures. And I was like, oh, yeah, my husband's hot, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's not why I want the pictures, right? <laughs> like, I want the, You look really hot there. I want those pictures. Now, he is gay as the day is long. That doesn't mean his fantasy life doesn't contain women sometimes. I think we like to compartmentalize everything about life and we yeah. like to do, do it with our sex and we like to do it with our identities. And um, we become very tribal about those identities. I am yes. gay, I am lesbian, I am whatever. Um, and I, I think that it's useful in discourse. It is not so useful in individual lives when you pen yourself in to uh, an identity and a sexuality that doesn't allow you a year from now to change your mind. 
Yeah. It doesn't allow you to grow and change. And I'm not saying you have to change to grow. I'm not, I'm not equating the two. No. But, but I do think that people uh, hamper their own sexuality by trying to fit into their own self-definition when that self-definition doesn't always apply. <laughs> yes, I agree. Um, so we're a couple, min couple minutes from break. And um, in the next segment, I want to talk a bit about um, coming out and what it looks like now, what it used to look like, and kind of some of the things that any tips you have for younger people as they're trying to negotiate this this world as opposed to the world that you came out in and then my world was different as well because so, we're i think we're probably a generation apart so remember that you can call in with questions and we're happy to answer them when we also answer questions from email so if you write to me at lauriebeth at drlauriebethbisbee.com i'm happy to answer the question you can also write in questions on any other subject about sex and relationships and they will get answered today or next week or the following week. We answer all of them. So we'll be back in a couple of minutes after we hear from the sponsors. Thanks so much. Oh, clear, great job. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Uh, really quick though, Lori, uh, your microphone sounds a little bit louder than usual. Can you possibly turn it down just a little bit? On your oh, end? you bet. That's really funny. I'm loud. That's unusual. You're always telling me I'm too soft. <laughs> you, you do get soft, but when you first come in, it comes in like loud. I don't know why. How's that? Is yeah. that better? Give me the ABCs to E. A, B, C, D, E. Uh, maybe turn it down just a little bit more. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I turned down. The oh, yeah. Okay. A, B, C, D, E. That's a little bit better. Perfect. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, Still got about a minute. Yeah, and I, I can, I can wax on about the coming out process, both back in the day and, um, and, and today. And I, I certainly talk to a lot of young people today who are, who are coming out in the current environment. And I'm being asked about it a lot. I mean, I actually got asked about it twice this week. Um, and another one that I got asked, which I really love, which isn't LGBTQ. Somebody was asking me um, about advice he was giving his 14 um, 14 year old son about consent and he was like so this is what i said and it was a check and recheck thing and i said well here's a good way to 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 give a final consent check and he said what and i said ask her to help put on the condom mm -hmm. and he was like that's actually a very neat he said that's brilliant it's very neat yeah, and I said, it it's, it's demonstrative if she yeah. pulls back when you ask her that you don't have consent right you know, if the person actively helps, you do. Yeah. And But interestingly enough, I said that to a woman at TED, and she said, oh, but that could be coercive. Coercive? Sorry to interrupt here. We're getting ready to come back. Okay. Wow. Here we go. I know. PM Pacific Time on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. This is the A to Z of sex, featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails, too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey everybody, welcome back to the A to Z of sex this week. It is L is for LGBTQ, and I'm talking with Race Bannon, 
before the break, I said we were going to talk a bit about coming out this segment. So what was coming out like for you in your day? Well, um, just so everybody uh, in your audience knows, um, I will be 65 in July. So okay. I was born in 1954. So coming out for me was a, a, a somewhat long, arduous process. I knew I was gay from probably the time, the age of eight or nine, um, maybe even seven. I was actively sexual with my fellow little friends who obviously were of the same ilk as a young kid. So I knew on a practical level what I liked, but it took me a long time to garner the courage. This is a Catholic raised boy with a Roman Catholic father schooled in a Catholic school um, who's been told over and over and over, oh. this is a very bad thing. Yes. So um, my process came out that at the age of 16 to a handful of people, I said I was bisexual. And I think in my case, uh, it was a stepping stone mm -hmm. identification because by, in my mind, was better than being gay. Right. So, um, so that was my first step with uh, a handful of people, um, not my parents. And it was at the age of 17 that I actually told my stepmother, who was a hairdresser, who had therefore worked with yeah. a lot of gay men, that I was gay. And she wasn't surprised. And then um, finally told my dad, my dad being the saint that he was, um, paused for a moment and said, I love you anyway. That is not how it went down for a lot of people of my generation. Right, right. It was pretty awful. It was pretty awful. There, uh, I know many people who were banished from the families. I know people who were written out of wills. I know people who have, to this day, they keep angry letters from their mother and father saying, you are no longer my son or daughter. Yeah. Um, and, um, and we weren't even talking about um, people being able to come out trans back then. That was that was beyond the pale for, that wasn't even on the radar for most people. Um, luckily today it is. So the entire range of LGBTQ that is possible today um, was, was a rough road to hoe back then. And it's interesting to me because I'm, I'm um, 56. So I'm the, the generation down and um, my brother's gay. And he's, um, so I was born in 63 and he was born in 65. And he came out when he was 17 and I was 19 and I had not yet come out, but he came out. And so I didn't. And I remember saying to him, because you're gay and I'm bi, they're confused enough as it is. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to support you because they're upset. I mean, they, they, my parents were quite upset. Um, and he, off he went to therapy. Yeah. To try to be ungay. Um, but during that time, give my parents their due, they actually worked through the upset um, and got behind him. And, you know, my parents and my grandmother, they would march in all the pride parades and all of this. They had difficulty with issues to do with his gayness at various points. But... Um, but really got behind him. But he's also, he's not, he's a very vanilla gay man. <laughs> he's an activist. So sometimes he's flamboyant as an activist, but like as far as his partners and things, his relationships look really 
you probably hate me for saying this, but they look really quite straight when he has relationships. I think I was much more of a challenge. My mother still hasn't accepted my bisexuality. She still, like, um, I will get comments like, oh, why are you so dramatic? That's me being dramatic. <laughs> okay. Or, or why didn't you, you have never brought home a woman, so, you know, this must be a phase, or like expressing disbelief. Because I've never shared that as in brought home a woman. And it's like, well, no, I never brought home a woman because I, I saw the response. and It wasn't worth it. I had the option to not have to go through that angst. My brother didn't. Yeah. And I hear this over and over from pretty much everyone who is bisexual, that at some point someone has said, it's a phase. It, um, are you going to make up your mind at some point? Yeah. I hear that from from people's histories a lot. Uh, or now you're married, you're not bisexual anymore. Right, you're not. You're 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 married. You're, you're with one gender, therefore you must not be interested in the other gender. Yeah. All of this, and of, you know, of course, it all flies in the face of reality and truth. But but I hear it all the time, and I and and it's unfortunate. I think that gay gays and lesbians do benefit from how definitive a description that is. And unfortunately, bisexuals have a much wider plate on their smorgasbord <laughs> and therefore, or, you know, wider options. And therefore people think that, oh, you need to somehow choose. Well, I mean, we actually get more of that. I think these days I get more of that from the gay and lesbian community than I do from heterosexuals. Oh, I, I do not disagree. I have heard it consistently from my own gay lesbian camp, shall we say, um, that, uh, you know, bisexuals are, 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 are um, they need to make up their mind. They, they, they're really gay or they're really less. You hear that kind of snidely. Often. Yeah. I do th hear it less today than I once did. So I, I give our culture its due that I think over time it is getting better. They're fully understanding that bisexuals are part of um, um, the, the, the um, full spectrum. And it may be that queerness has helped that. I think so. I mean, it's certainly, certainly when I was younger, it was definitely a thing. I, I mean, women would say to me, you just haven't met the right woman yet. And, and, I would, and my response to that was, I love women and I also love dick. So I, I don't think it has anything to do with meeting the right woman, right? No, no. It's an appreciably different experience, but I hear less of that now. Although people, and I was talking with a Tedster about this last night, who identifies as bisexual, and we both said, you know, people try to figure out what our sexuality is based by the partner with, based on the partner we're with. And so it makes it very diff difficult to feel comfortable in spaces because assumptions are always made. Yep, they are. And I also think people are getting creative in how to express their bisexuality using other terminology so as not to set off the alarms that, oh, bisexual, make up your mind or whatever. Yeah. Uh, example is um, people use the word fluid around their sexuality a lot. Yes, now. yes. And I think that's really another tip to, to, to bisexuality on some level. Um, it's just saying it in a different way that maybe people accept it more. So uh, again, I think this queer um, umbrella term has turned out to perhaps benefit many people in that regard because they realize that you don't fit necessarily anywhere on the spectrum. You might fit many places on that spectrum because that's why you're queer. So, 
so Let, let's hope that the trend continues that people accept bisexuals more. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if if um, if youngsters now coming out are finding it easier to use terms that are fluid to avoid some of the um, not only the boxing in but some of the abuse that people get when they kind of firmly come out. I don't know what you think about that. It could be. I also think that each generation likes to come up with its own terminology so that they can claim it as theirs. And, and uh, I certainly did it when I was a teenager and, and, mm. and in my, um, and I think that it may simply be them rebranding the same thing in a way that uh, makes more sense for them. They're also um, living with the, the concept of fluid gender. Yes. And, uh, and so it's it's a little more easy for them to to use that that term fluid in other terms to describe what we might say is bisexuality. Yeah, I mean, I think we're about three minutes from break, um, and and we're continue this in the next segment and move on to some of the challenges I think for the LGBTQ community in the current climate, um, current not only political climate but cultural um, climate across that seems to be across the world at the moment um, and kind of coping in a world that um, became far less liberal rather quickly, I think. It did. Yeah. It did, unfortunately. We are, we are, we, the rise in nationalism, um, the scapegoating of the other, yeah. whoever the other might be, and of course LGBTQ is one of the buckets of other, Yeah. Um, people of ethnicities and faiths, etc. So I, I think that we are in what I hope is a blip in historical time. Um, I am hoping that, uh, that this is an aberration and not a move toward uh, this being the new normal. Uh, and my best hopes are that we are indeed in a blip of time. Um, I, I, think that, I think this can be fixed if, if, if to use you know, uh, that way you of saying it. I, I hope it can anyway. So we'll be back um, in a couple of minutes after we hear from our sponsors. We'll talk a bit more about what it's like to exist and as part of this alphabet soup in the current um, political and, and cultural and um, enforced moral climate. All clear. Great job. Thanks. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Got about a minute. Thank you. God. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the enforced moral climate indeed. Yeah, it's interesting. And one of the things I'm going to mention, which is, uh, we'll, we'll see since you mentioned politics, I think um, the candidacy in the United States of uh, Pete Buttigieg has blunted a significant argument in the political discourse in, in our next election to some extent. Um, I, I think it will be used as a, as, as a lightning rod issue, but I think it's blunted it considerably. Um, uh, that was well played. Yeah, it was very well played. It was well played, although I have I have so many issues with him, but it was well played. Oh sure, no, he's a he's a he's a moderate. He's a middle of the road guy. He's, he's not just a middle of the road guy. I mean, he's a, he's a he's a. I mean, just look at him. You know, that's terrible to think to say, no, but no, no, no. He, he looks like what he represents, which I have great deal of difficulty with. I like, totally get it. I totally get it. Um, but I thought he was brilliant. I was so impressed because it, it took guts. It took real guts to and, to and to directly address Mike Pence took real guts. It took guts. And I also think that when you have 
even conservative pundits coming out and saying, you know, he's the real deal. And, and uh, I think it was the Washington Post even did an article uh, op-ed sorry. yesterday that- Sorry to jump in here, we're coming back. Okay. okay. Here he's we go. Kryptonite. Yes. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex. This week is L, and L is for LGBTQ, and we're talking with Ray Spannon. And before we left on the break, I said we were going to talk a bit about what it is like to be part of this group of gender and sexual diversity in the current political and um, cultural and enforced moral climates. So you had mentioned uh, the new presidential candidate. Um, Yeah, and privately before we came back on air, yeah. I, um, I mentioned that I think that uh, a recent development in the United States, uh, the uh, potential candidacy of um, Pete Buttigieg for president of the United States, an openly gay man, a very smart one at that, um, has blunted some of the rights, uh, uh, am- ammunition, if you will, for uh, the next upcoming election. I may be completely wrong. I may be assessing this completely incorrectly, but I do think that his middle-of-the-road politics, coupled with um, him being a gay man, to some extent blunts it. He seems to be appealing to even some of the moderate Trump-style voters, and so uh, I'm hoping that's the case. I'm hoping that he's done a a great deal for, for the LGBTQ cause generally simply by announcing and being so articulate and smart. Uh, yeah, but but it's it's a rough it's a rough time to be LGBTQ in the world. Yeah, and even in the United States. Now I live in California, so I am protected somewhat by a state that understands me, perhaps more than some other states might. But uh, I think you are seeing you know rises in in gay bashings. Yep, you are seeing um, rises in animosity toward LGBTQ people generally, uh, and. I think we're going to have battles in the courts being loaded up with conservative judges and they are going to make decisions on LGBTQ um, cases going forward and they're probably off. They're not going to go in our individual level and a macro political level. I'm, I'm really, I'm quite frightened about some of that. And I'm, of course I live in, in the UK, um, uh, but there are certainly the same sorts of attitudes um, being evidenced in the UK, and it is quite frightening to watch um, how intense the swing to the right is. You know, it, it's it, we often swing different directions in politics, mm-hmm. but this the intensity of, and I, I called it enforced morality because that is how it it feels, um, and it's not the majority of the people, and that's what people miss. You know, I, was, I remember the bumper sticker many years ago that said the moral majority is a minority. 
you know, it, yep. and it, it is in fact, <laughs> my, and, and it is. And, and I do think, I think if you're coming out um, and you're starting to try and negotiate your identity in this environment, it can be quite difficult because that's a time when people often don't have confidence. I think right now is a difficult time for anyone, young person or, or otherwise, to come out um, because of the political climate we are in. Um, we have uh, a president and certainly a vice president of the United States that is um, incredibly anti-LGBT. We, um, we see a rise in um, sort of right-wing nationalist um, groups and movements um, in the UK, in, in a number of countries. So I, I think that we are, uh, I, I would not want to be a young person trying to come out today. With that said, we also culturally are seeing tremendous advances. It is no big deal to see uh, an LGBTQ person on a t television screen anymore. Yeah. On a movie screen. And it is a, a regular topic of talk shows and no longer are we the weird people that they're talking about. We are simply people they are talking about. So culturally, we've caught up a little bit better than the politics. With politics, I always look to Malcolm Gladwell's uh, concept of the tipping point, that we, there's always these tipping point movement, uh, moments in all sorts of happenings in life, and they happen politically as well. So you said it moved to the right rather quickly, and that's not unlike many trends in culture generally, is that we've, we reach a tipping point for whatever reason, and that tipping point pushes it over the edge and moves it ahead very quickly. That also means we could have a tipping point in the other direction. Yeah, that's the that's the hopeful side of me. <laughs> yeah, no, and and, and me too. Um, um, I I am very much a person who um, believes that people have a right to live their lives as they see fit to live their lives, as long as they are not actively harming others. You know, and so um, and even that's an interesting uh, conversation because um, you have to define harm. Um, but, you know, it, it is something that is important to me that people have a right to express their gender and their sexuality and love how they wish. Uh, and I have a great deal of difficulty with people who believe that they know how I should be and are, are going to tell me so. And I have tremendous faith in youth. I was just at a, a, a city college here in San Francisco a class talking to a group of young sexuality students and the diversity and the savvy and the, the bravery and the self-confidence that these young kids had around both their sexuality and their gender was, was remarkable and it was heartening. And I do honestly believe that the younger generation is coming up in a culture that completely belies the political discourse that's happening at the top. Right. That they, they get it. They get it. They are letting people um, of all types live their lives as they wish in a way that I don't think some people of my generation are, are quite willing to do. So I, I do have faith. Um, I don't think that it's still an easy road for a young person to come out today, yeah. especially in a more conservative area or in a conservative family. And I think that uh, imagine, a, you know, a, a, an evangelical um, family in some southern state in conservative state in the United States um, dealing with coming out. It's quite different than somebody coming out in San Francisco, for example. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, and, and I think I often get asked by parents 
um, in terms of what do you, what do you do and how do you handle this? And um, I, I think sometimes, depending on where people are from, is what they're looking for. Um, and there are people who are looking for me to tell them how they can get their child cured of their gayness or lesbianness or their bisexuality or any of the other diversities. And it's it's important to understand that this is not about trying to change somebody's sexuality. What you can do is is provide lots of love and acceptance and go learn, go get good information so that you can have your fears dealt with. And also I think that especially when someone is young and coming out, let's say to parents or whoever, there is this tendency that does not happen with heterosexuals to immediately focus on the sex acts themselves. Yeah. And, and I, I always say, you know, if, if you're coming out to someone and they say, well, do you do this and this and this? And I said, I do not ask you what you do in the bedroom. You do yeah. not have a right to ask me what I do in the bedroom. I am simply telling you who I'm attracted to. Right. I mean, it's really funny because this conversation has been has gone on during the week at various points because I'm very open about um, my sexuality and my lifestyle. And I am actually quite happy to talk about it. Um, but somebody asked me last night whether or not I felt like I was sort of a zoo animal at times because, <laughs> you know, because like it's like, well, well, what do you guys do? You know, and um, I was asked about pain in particular. It was sort of like. Um, one of the questions that I was asked was somebody actually asked me, well, they said, do you, do you enjoy the dentist? <laughs> my dentist is one of my best friends, but no, I do not enjoy the pain at the dentist. Right. Um, in fact, I have to have lots of painkillers. It doesn't work like that. You know, to no, explain that, that was kind of an okay question, but people get even, even more intimate. And unless I'm actually in an intimate conversation with somebody, it's sort of like if I turn around to you and say, well, you know, how do you like to have your dick sucked? You know, it's like you'd be like, why are you asking me that? It's none of your right. business. This idea, and people often ask women who have sex with women, heterosexual men often ask us how we have sex. Yep. <laughs> because I it it's a curiosity. You know, well, how do you have sex? What do you do? <laughs> I don't know. What do you do? You know, it's <laughs> private. You want to know how I have sex? You need to be one of my sexual partners. Otherwise, I'm not, not, not discussing it. So I always find that fascinating that there is that difference. We, we would never ask a heterosexual person that. No, we wouldn't. And, and I do think that there are the subset of us, I'll, I'll put myself into that category uh, like you, that are quite willing to talk about mm. specifics of our sexuality. I'm, you know, I'm quite openly and, and vocally, you know, um, gay, poly, kinky, I mean, a bunch of other things. And, um, and I think by our comfort level with being able to talk about that, we model it for other people and hope that they can talk about it as well. With that said, Nobody has a right to ask you specifically what you do in bed. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, and, I, and I find that absolutely fascinating. Um, if you have a health question, by all means. Um, but um, think about it, how you would feel if somebody asked you the equivalent question. And would you just want to answer a total stranger about, you know, what, what gets you off in detail? Not like, what do you like? in general terms, but what actually gets you off in detail? Would you actually want to answer that question if a total stranger 
walked up to you, whether or not you had permission to ask questions. Or imagine a coworker asking that. You're in a work environment. Yeah. And you don't know if that information is going to be used as ammunition in some way. No, um, seriously. And I've been a, asked that in a work environment. Yeah. Um, so, and it's I, sort of like, yeah, um, I don't think I'm going to answer that question. So we're about um, two, three minutes from break. And um, we'll have one more segment left. Um, if you've got any questions, last minute questions, now is the time to get them in. Um, I did have somebody ask for some tips about meeting people in today's environment besides meeting them on an app and online. So we will talk a bit about that. Great. And um, I will also um, do a shameless plug for one of our sponsors, which is Nadia New Orleans, which is in July. And I'll give you the details of that when I come back. It's a fantastic takeover of a good bit of New Orleans. It's well worth going to. So we'll talk about that when we get back to all clear, great job. Thanks. Carol has not sent me a new um, sponsor for ages. Like, you know, like they usually tell you who uh -huh. the commercials are. So I'm just pulling up all the people that have sponsored before. And oh, okay. So I might be giving people free commercials, but there it is. <laughs> so Na Naughty in New Orleans takes place when? July 26th to the 28th, I think. I'm just uh, going to. Yeah, I knew there was a reason. I it's always our up your alley, Dory Alley. Yeah, street, 24, street there. it's 24th to 28th. And I've got family. And I'm usually not in America in July. I'm usually in America in August. I need to go to that one year, though. Uh, one of my friends was telling me that um, there, there, um, there's now in decadence, and there's also decadence now. And oh, so yeah, was, divine, there's... there's um, uh, yeah, there's uh, decadence, and there's now decadence. Yes! Yeah. That's, that I had not heard of. Yeah, she told me I should. She's like, it's amazing. Um, I go to Desire in Palm Springs every oh, year. Yeah. I go to yeah. summer camp. <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, Desire is kind of our version of Inferno. Yeah. Um, you know, we, had, we had about 300 guys there. I don't know how big Desire is. but 200 to 250 women. Yeah, it's about the same. Yeah. I uh, mean, it, it's, and we, we take over a gay resort. So, you know, yeah. like, it's uh, I used to have a house in Palm Springs. I know it well. <laughs> we, uh, it's a great, it's a, I mean, it's a great event. To, sorry to interrupt. Mm -hmm. We're coming back. Here we go. Great. You know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlauriebethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This week, it is L is for LGBTQ, and I am talking with Grace Bannon. And this is the final segment of the show. Before we went to break, I did say that um, I wanted to talk about Nadia Norlands, um, which is July 24th to the 28th this year. It's the largest lifestyle convention for couples in the world usually over 1,300 couples. It's a full takeover of two of the French Quarter's biggest hotels, and it takes over Bourbon Street, too. There's loads of events, and there's a big parade, of course, because you're in New Orleans. You can expect a parade. If you want more information and you want to book a place, do visit the sexylifestyle.com travel and events page. It is a um, fantastically fun event, well worth going. Um, so... 
we were talking about tips for meeting people that somewhere other than offline in apps. So um, I, I have had to acknowledge that younger people going forward have come out in a digital era mm -hmm. and they are using technology as the main mechanism to make initial connections. I think for young people just coming out, it's incredibly valuable. They have a plethora of information that we didn't have, as well as connection resources. There's a downside to that too. Um, I do think that if we use technology, whether it be a hookup type of app, or it be uh, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever we, we use, Snapchat for really young people, um, <laughs> that we use those mechanisms to foster an offline face-to-face -face yeah. So I am a big fan of people creating um, meetups and things like that using technology, and but making the physical space where you know they meet being a face-to-face -face thing. Secondly, I think that when, especially young people when they're first coming out and they say, well, how do I meet people? How do I get involved in this community? And how do I find myself? One of the very first things I say is, find an LGBTQ organization and volunteer. Yeah. Every single one of them needs volunteers. The moment you volunteer and you plug yourself into that network, that small community of people that are working on that project, that club, that organization, that event, whatever it is, you have built a support mechanism and a way to kind of find yourself while you're helping out. And by helping out, you also learn a lot because you have to when you're helping out some sort of a cause or organization or club. So that's one of my other big tips is to volunteer in some sort of LGBTQ realm. And I think the benefits of that are not only that you know you're helping, but you are giving yourself solid real world information to sort of move yourself into this LGBTQ set of communities and find people and meet people. And who knows, you might find dating partners in this, in this pool. Yeah. You, you, you can't, um, you can't catch fish unless you find the right pond. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. I mean, and I do think it is quite difficult as somebody who um, also came up before um, we had the internet and apps. And I mean, I, I found the other day I was going through some diaries and I found an ad that I wrote for the village voice <laughs> seeking partner. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was great. I was I like, remember I, those days. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? And then I realized what I was looking at. Um, and that was how I found, um, that was how I found my first um, BDSM partners. And that was how I found my first um, female partners was with an ad in the village voice. Um, and um, a little harder than today. <laughs> yeah, really seriously. And you corresponded and you sent pictures and then hope the person actually looked like their picture. Oh, not only that, I remember I was, I, I would find people in the back of drummer magazine with an ad. Oh. And back then they would code everything. There were no names used. Yeah. And you would use a number or a box or something. Yeah. And you would send to the box and they would and they would reply. So it was completely anonymous going back and forth. Completely. Until you made a specific kind of connection. So it it was a lot of letter writing back then. And then we and we also we didn't have cell phones or anything like that. So the connections, by the time you actually met face to face, now I was living in New Jersey 
um, and going to high school. And, um, and the Village Voice was in, in, in Greenwich Village in New York City. And so it was, you know, finally making the connection and going into New York City, into the village to meet someone, usually at McNulty's Coffee. Um, that was like my favorite meeting space to start. Um, but it, it was a very different world. So I've always been much more partial to meeting people face to face and not tremendously comfortable first meeting someone online. But I also recognize that, that people coming up today, that's their first port of call. Yeah. And, and especially young people that have not really figured out how to navigate this as well as perhaps some of us more seasoned folks um, have. Uh, and uh, citing on the air of caution, meeting, meeting offline in a, in a, in a space you feel comfortable, et cetera, is a really good idea. Um, and uh, seeing if you have any common connections with the person. Uh, I, I know this flies in the face of instant hookup culture, and I am not against instant hookup culture. I think it's great. Um, but that's best navigated by people that have been around the block a few times. And so um, I, I do err on the side of caution with, with, with people who are new to this community. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I think there's stuff you can get out of instant hookup stuff, but I do, I do think you need to have your wits about you and you need to know how to protect yourself. And, um, and that takes some time um, and some learning. Um, so if you're just starting out and you're not really good at setting boundaries, instant hookup culture is kind of dangerous. It is. Yeah. It is. Well, one more bit of advice around uh, people trying to find people. Um, and I am assuming often that this is younger or just coming out people. That may not always be the case, but I'm going to assume that in this case. We are, we are challenged in the LGBTQ community by a crisis of real estate. Um, our, our bars and our physical spaces are closing mm -hmm. at the same time while our online connectivity and, and you know, other things are, are growing. So what I think a lot of the LGBTQ community has moved to is what I call intentional events, intentional spaces. Yeah. Let's take a really big one, all the pride events. Yes. Um, I don't think, I think for a young person to, especially from maybe a small town to travel somewhere and see a pride celebration and be with tens of thousands of people just like them or similar to them and feel accepted and part of it is incredibly empowering. Yeah. So, um, and uh, we have um, bowling clubs. We have, um, you know, singing choruses. We have book reading clubs. We have all sorts of, you know, little uh, subsets of people in the LGBT community that do specific things. Yes. Cycling clubs, et cetera. Joining one of those is a tremendous way to meet people and to develop a sort of a core center of friends from which you can meet other people. Yes. So it's, that's my other bit of advice. And, and I mean, my, always, my piece of advice is the same. This piece of advice is I give to the heterosexual folks looking to meet people, which is if you're going to do activities, do something you enjoy. Don't go yeah. with the idea that you're looking for a partner. Go because you enjoy the activity and you're going to meet friends. And then if you meet somebody that you happen to really fancy, that's great. But otherwise, you get a good friendship group going from which you end up meeting other people. And there are so many different um, opportunities within the LGBT communities to do different hobbies where people band together because they want to be doing the hobby with somebody that loves the same way they do. They want to be doing the hobby with people who have similar attitudes and similar interests um, in other parts of their lives. Yeah, commonalities are what bond people. 
And, um, and I, I think your advice is, is uh, very astute to not go looking for a partner, to let that be a side, side effect if it happens. I think it's part of the human condition that when we're looking for relationship partners, we don't find them. And then when we're not looking for them, there they are right in front of us. And they fall out of trees then. Yes, yeah. For some reason, that seems to be a, a truism. So, so uh, I think it's good advice. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, we are a few minutes from close. Um, again, if you have any questions and we didn't get to them or you didn't get them in in time, please do feel free to send them in. I will answer them next week or in the weeks coming. Um, if you've got an idea for the show, do send it in. If you'd like to learn from me face-to-face, -face, I'm going to be teaching a bunch of workshops in London between the middle of May and the middle of August. Um, I'm teaching workshops and giving talks at Sh Women's Emporium in London. That's SH with an explanation point, point Women's Emporium in London. Um, and um, they're going to be a lot of fun. And also, I will be at Desire in Palm Springs in June and then at Southeast Leather Fest. So if you want to connect, you can connect with me then. If you want to find Race, head over to his website. And that's a really good way to make contact. So again, that's www.bannon.com. My engineer is making fun of me at the moment. So that was where the stutter came from. <laughs> and, and if anyone does contact me through bannon.com, um, there is a, a contact form on there. And if people have questions or need to be pointed to resources, I, I take pride in being a linchpin in those communities. And I'm more than happy to do so. That's brilliant. And thank you so much for coming on and joining me again this week. Oh, I, I, I love my time with you. Thank you. Have a fantastic week, guys. Um, and go out and make some hot connections. See you next week. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex or the A to Z of sex if you're in North America. If you enjoyed the show, please do leave a review wherever it was you listened to it but especially head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Reviews really help the show get out there. If you want to support my work, you can support it through my Patreon page. That's Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee on Patreon.com. You can also head over to DrLoriBethBisbee.com and subscribe to my free mailing list, which will keep you updated as to the activities I am getting up to and any special appearances. For people who subscribe to the Patreon, there are special broadcasts, merch, um, and the opportunity to get discounted tickets to a lot of the events that I do. Knowledge gives you power. The more you know, the better your relationships, the better your satisfaction and joy. If you've got suggestions for the show, comments or questions, do email at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.com and I will try and incorporate them. Have a wonderful week filled with loads of joy.